Welcome to Service Headline News. I am Marty Smith. And I'm Eric Perot. I'm Jake Wall. We are here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh at the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. Election Day, fellas. Aren't you excited? Wow. I am on the end of my seat tonight. You know, it's funny when they show around the country and it and there's people in lines. I don't know if it's just Colorado. I haven't stood in a voting line I since I can't remember. And I don't know if that's just because I've been early voting in Colorado for so long. Yeah, I don't I, think I don't, I don't I can't remember the last time I went to an actual polling station. So I don't know if that's unique to Colorado or not, but yeah, on the way to meet up for dinner last night, I I had already filled out my ballot, but I drove in, drove into the DMV. There was a person there that was like, you need any assistance? I'm like, no, here you go. They dropped it in the box and drove off. It was easy. I did it yesterday. I dropped it in the drop box. I actually got an email today that said, hey, we got your ballot. That's yeah. the first time I ever remember seeing an email. La- last year, that, I think they started that. I saw that the first time last year. Oh, did you? Yeah. I got one as well. Yeah. All right. So we're all in. Let's uh, let's bring this Nazi regime about, huh? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Democracy is in trouble tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, we're voting for democracy. And then there's no more voting. <laughs> but then it's all good. Especially if it's all blue. All right. This Friday is Veterans Day. Yes. Eric, do you have some history on Veterans Day? I do, fellas. In celebration of that great day, I thought we would take a look at the history. Most people know where it came, where it came from, but not everybody understands how far back it started. So, you know, starting with the origins, this thing went back all the way to 1921 when an unknown World War I American soldier was buried in Arlington National Cemetery. This site on a hillside overlooking the Potomac River and the city of Washington, D.C., became the focal point of reverence for Americans' veterans. Similar ceremonies occurred earlier in England and France, where an unknown soldier was buried in each nation's highest place of honor. These memorial gestures also took place, and this is what's so fascinating to me, this These memorial gestures all took place on 11 November 1918, the 11th hour of the 11th day. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The 11th month. The day became known as Armistice Day. So it started out as Armistice Day. But again, you know, I don't believe too many people realize how far back it goes. So Armistice Day officially received its name in America. In 1926, through a congressional resolution, it became a national holiday 12 years later by similar congressional action. If the the idealistic hope had been realized that World War I was the war to end all wars, November 11th might still be called Armistice Day. But only a few years after the holiday was proclaimed, war broke out in Europe. 16... (laughs) And one half million Americans took part. 407,000 of them died in service. More than 292,000 in battle. Crazy. Man. Now, the first time that Veterans Day actually came to pass 
was a few few years later. It was actually after World War II. So the first celebration using the term Veterans Day occurred in Birmingham, Alabama in 1947. Raymond Weeks, a World War II veteran, organized National Veterans Day, which included a parade and other festivities to honor all veterans. The event was held on November 11th, then designated Armistice Day. Later, U.S. Representative Edward Rees of Kansas proposed a bill that would change Armistice Day to Veterans Day. In 1954, Congress passed the bill that President Eisenhower signed for proclaiming November 11th as Veterans Day. Raymond Weeks then received the Presidential Citizens Medal from President Reagan in November of 1982. Weeks' local parade and ceremonies are now an annual event celebrated nationwide. So, gentlemen, a little history on our Veterans Day. Now, see, I was always uh, under the impression that um, Veterans Day was for veterans of war, right? I mean, I think that's what it was supposed to honor, wasn't it? Well, I think that started out as Memorial Day. Memorial Day. So I think... No, I mean, when they refer to veterans, they're referring to, back then, they were referring to veterans of the war, right? I believe they were starting in 1918. And then I think it's expanded because, you know, a few years after the end of World War I, World War II kicked in. So it wasn't just them then that had to include all the other veterans. No, my point being is that when they when they officially changed it to Veterans Day, it was it was to honor those who had gone over there and fought. Who had served. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we have we have smudged that name that word veteran. Uh, and I don't remember when that started, because it was always to me a veteran was somebody who fought, right? A hmm. retiree, which is what I am, is somebody who didn't fight. I was in, I retired, but I never got shot at. I was barely I've in the combat zone. I've never. What do I have to be categorized to get some free chicky nuggets? <laughs> I've never well, heard of the designation, man. I've never heard it. In that depth. Well, I, I don't ever remember calling anybody a veteran unless they had gone over to fight. Veterans of foreign war, right? VFW. True. Now, and so I don't know when we started. Uh, and, you know, it's part of that. Um, to give me an example, space doesn't have a whole lot of glory, you know, that they can do. So, um they say, oh, you're a warfighter. And I'm like, a warfighter? I'm flying a satellite. Right? <laughs> I'm an intel gatherer at best. No, no, no. You're part of the warfighting. And then they started doing it. And I think it was back, uh, I think it was 20 years ago. You know, And, and it wasn't just space. It was everything. It was trying to give more glory, push more glory down, maybe as a retention tool, maybe whatever it is to make people feel better and all that kind of thing. I don't know. But that certainly doesn't do that. If you can't prove to them that you have a couple of those decorations or you've got a 214 that reflects you were in a combat zone, they right. want to catch it. Yeah. Right. So why should we all be walking around saying we're veterans when we've never fired a shot in anger or received a shot in anger? 
You know, I'm sure the VFW would be like, veterans, huh? Really? <laughs> Veteran of what? Snicker at us. <laughs> Long line at the BX gas station. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, somewhere along the line, they started calling everything veterans. We're all veterans now. Yep. You know, because and I think it started with this global war on terror. And I think when they started doing I mean, remember that old medal, that, that GWAT award that you got? And you're like, how'd I get this? And I'm like, oh, everybody gets it. <laughs> right? Because you're all part of the global war on terror, the GWAT medal. And I think it was around that time when they started saying, oh, yeah, you're a veteran. You were in during the conflict. And I was like, yeah, but that was a half a world away. But you were in. So you're a veteran of that global You provided intel to the warfighter on the ground. Well, but I mean, uh, everybody who was in is considered a veteran. now, And now they're just like, oh, you were in. You're a veteran. Thanks for your service. And then like. You're right. Like I said, I, I've never heard it in that distinction. What you said earlier, you know what I mean? That's interesting. I, I I remember as a kid, it was like, oh, this guy was a veteran. He was in Vietnam. Oh, this guy's just a retiree. He didn't go. And I was oh, like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, there's no shame. He just didn't get chosen to go. Yeah. Um, but you, you're you don't get to wear the veteran's status just like because everybody you're does here. now. Yeah. Right. But everybody is now. Right. Yeah. You know, the guy who, who gets asthma and basic and gets medicaled out, he's a veteran. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, Jesus. Yeah. That was, that's an easy title to get now. <laughs> Quick career move. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so happy Veterans Day to everyone who has served, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound disappointing. This is a sore subject for you, though, isn't it, Marty? Uh, <laughs> you've you've brought this up or in a form on on multiple occasions. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure that I'm not stealing any valor. I didn't get no, shot at. No. I'm a retiree. I'm not a veteran. No, I said shit. that. I said that from the beginning. Now, I'm a veteran. If Home Depot wants to give me ten percent off, yeah. <laughs> I got a I got a free Milvet shirt I can wear to work. <laughs> Well, I got shot at, but all I did was hide behind a damn deuce tire. So that's right, Eric. You did get shot at. So yeah. So you deserve. You are. I don't even know who it was that was shooting at me, but I know I wasn't coming out from behind that damn tire. You sure it wasn't one of your own guys? No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt, it may have been. Oh shit! But yeah, you are a true veteran. I mean, my God, how how long did you get pinned down by that sniper? Four hours. Four hours. My God. Mm. So, took them that long to get a QRF to run, find these guys. And then they put a freaking um, AC-140 or the fucking AC bird. the AC-130? Yeah, the AC-130. And they popped him. You know, they had that big-ass spotlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was at night, so they put a hurting on that guy. So he wasn't moving around. He was just trying to one spot, and I'm, that's where he was going to stay. I don't believe they recovered his body. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, happy Veterans Day to you, Eric. You as well, sir. I get retiree day. So, as far as concerned, you're both <laughs> veterans, by God. As long as I get my nuggets. <laughs> my free baby Frosty. Free Jimmy. I think Johnson you should get the term if you retired, too. You know, I think that's got a lot to do. If you did four years, 
it's not really a veteran. Well, that's a whole. That was a whole point. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's I'm been, talking, yeah, I'm but you you went all the way. You were distinguishing it as getting shot at. Well, that's what it, yeah. That's that's the way I remember it. Okay. If you got shot at, you were a veteran. Okay. No see how long you did. All right. If you didn't get shot at, if you didn't get shot at, and you did twenty years, you're a retiree. So see, I would disagree with that statement, though. No, but you got shot at, so you can. We're not talking about me. I'm talking about the statement. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's too much. It's too much valor for everyone to handle. You know what I mean? So much valor, and I want to make sure that I don't label myself as that for somebody who has been in combat, like yourself, like my brother. Like several other people I've talked to, uh, you know, I wasn't that, so I don't call myself that. But well, like I said, I, you remember when you interviewed me, and I talked about the decoration I got for that little incident, and I, I to this day, feel like I wasn't deserving of that level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, how do you think I feel <laughs> being labeled the same as you? I'm not deserving I, of that. I think you're playing it off too. You you bring out that your shorts every Veterans Day. You're like, oh, I'm a veteran. <laughs> you just take it to the next level. What's that scene in uh, Talladega Nights where they throw him out of the Applebee's? He's like, I'm a veteran, and I got diabetes. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, Election Day today. We're gonna publish this tomorrow on the ninth, but Election Day today. Jake, you got something about uh, vet veterans in the election? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to categorize all these. <laughs> we'll call them veterans sons now. SOBs. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> this is the largest group of candidates who have served in a, in a decade. Wow. So there's more veterans in, in quotation marks. You know, it's um, funny because uh, it always seems like uh, there's not that many – People in the military service who are going on to do anything else. But now you're saying this is the most veterans who are running for Congress in a decade? In a decade, yeah. Yeah. And Clark, that's a great so. path to money. You know, if I was <laughs> if I was more charismatic, I would have run for office because I'm like, well, yeah, there's, there's just slush money all over the place. But well, you um, know, it's funny, guys. We talked about, you know, Jake last week said uh, veterans have dealt and understood and been first-hand witnesses to the government being a bunch of jackasses. Yeah. And then on this side, <laughs> these guys go, hmm, they're a bunch of jackasses. I think we can perform better than those guys, so let's run for office. Yeah. And, well, and that like, was that, it's yeah. the contradiction, isn't it? It's yeah. like, right. okay, this needs to, or or here's something I can change or an, an effect, so I'm going to go try to do it. You know, and that yeah, tends and it is to be a, our mindset in a lot of things. Like we mm -hmm. just get put in places, and we're like, okay, what are we doing? I don't know. Do do things. Do things Go to make lead. this situation Let's do better. Something. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a hell like, of a oh, point. Okay. Actually, that is a hell of a point. And that makes sense if you get that motivated. And like, why does somebody do something? Fine, I'll go do something. You know, that is a military mindset. mindset. Right? Yeah. I mean, all all of us have said that. We're like, fine, I'll take care of it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, yep. there's no later. Okay, we're going to do this. Yep. Well, yep. what about it? Was fine, then you do it. <laughs> if yeah. you're not going to do it, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. So he's going to do this. Maybe, maybe in line with our story from a couple of weeks ago, um, we we should track the ones who lose 
who lose their race. No, yeah. if they go get radical and start leading a insurrection, <laughs> anti-democracy <laughs> resurrection. You guys don't well, want to I vote mean, for me? Fine. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice though. It 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 once again shows how how biased some of these reports are in that it's it's not exactly 50 50 republican and democrat but it's close yeah it really is there's there's, there's a surprising and, amount and of that's democrat. what we've seen yeah. yeah we've seen throughout the career i've seen and been shocked about <laughs> the almost evenness of the people around me who have served in their in their party loyalty you know yeah. Yeah. it's such a dynamic group that literally like this guy's hardcore, you know, New Hampshire Democrat or, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and then the next person over is diehard Republican. Yeah. But, um, this lady, Pat Ryan, democratic army veteran, West point graduate, all that Iraq in the army Intel officer. I mean, she's going. So New Hampshire, Retired Army Brigadier General. Wow. So, yeah, that's Boldeck. Yeah. Isn't that Boldeck? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Boldeck. John Boldeck. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. I, I remember um, at least when I was in, at least the people around me, most of them were leaning Republican or at conservative values. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think the last few years I was in, it was like, no, it's split. You know, there's too many more issues. Yeah out there yeah. and that's fine I, I don't have a problem with that the one hypocrisy of myself that i go you don't need government handouts you know go out work hard you know yeah. make your own success mm-hmm. uh oh shit my my check from the government's late <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> or sign your troops up for wick right, right. Uh... i know <laughs> But you know, you you rail against no government handouts, and on the other hand, I'm taking my VA and my my yep. retirement check. But you know, we did our 20 years. You know, we we put that in. It's uh, you know, I think I feel that we earned it. That was part of the deal when we signed up. Absolutely, so, uh, we fulfilled it, and uh, uh, you know, on we go. Um, that's cool. Did it say how many are running? Oh, there it is. One ninety six. Well yeah, done, yeah. Jake. Well done, veteran. Those are just a few of the 196 Republican and Democratic veterans competing for a seat in Congress on November 8th. I get a little there you know, on a, on a on a side note. I get a little frustrated sometimes. I remember watching. God, I don't know how long ago it was. Eight years ago or something. Somebody was running for something, and she had said, "Is it she or he?" Had said, you know. During the surge, I deployed to CENTCOM headquarters. You know, that, and they they were Florida? saying that in the debate. She went to Tampa, and I was like, "Yeah, I, yeah are you are you went to Homestead? <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't set foot in the fucking desert, uh, lying sack of shit, right?" But but that's what's weird is they always counted that as a deployment. I and know, my buddy, my buddy Nate, like he spent like six, almost seven months in. In Marriott's, <laughs> and he was at CENTCOM. Like he's really? a freaking platinum elite for life because of, because of that deployment. Like he he would literally be like, "Oh, okay. Um, you need me to move? I'll move." 
give me this many points. And they're like, okay, here. Wow. So he would move and get bonuses at different places. And then he would check in to a Marriott still on government rate in Orlando for a long weekend. Yeah. Or something like that. And I'm like, but you guys remember he's he's commanding forces from his Marriott hotel that are in the desert. Well, that's yeah. He he worked uh, <laughs> he worked at one of the AOCs out there. He flew out to CENTCOM like twice the whole time, but mm. but yeah, but it's, that's it's, what it's that little yeah. code when you know when you've been in, yeah, and you hear Wait, you're like, oh, okay, you're like, Florida. What did you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I it saw. was hot. I'll give you that. It was more crime that you had to worry about than the war. I saw firsthand yeah. the ravages of war. <laughs> Our AC unit on went out. Streets of Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to some news stories here. So, first one I ran across was the Army sees its future in Pacific training grounds. Now, uh, this was out of the Honolulu Star Advisor. Adver- Honolulu Star Advertiser by Kevin Nodell on 8 November. So to give you a background uh, in the Army, there used to be, when I was first in in the 80s, early 90s, there was like a, and when you were heavy, right? They they have a distinction between heavy and light units. So when you were heavy, you had basically two places to go train. In Europe, it was Grafenwehr, Germany. And if you were in the States, it was out to the National Training Center in the Mojave Desert in California. So our NTC. And there was one training <clears throat> for light fighters called Joint Readiness Training Center, and that was in Fort Chaffee, Arkansas. Uh, but then they moved it to Fort Polk, Louisiana. So for all the light fighters, which there's only a couple divisions left, I think 101st, 82nd, and the 25th, um, but everybody else is heavy. And that was because for years and decades – all we did was prepare against the Soviet threat because that's who we were going to fight. <clears throat> the JRTC kind of focused on what they called irregular warfare or mount operations and stuff like that, which was perfect for Afghanistan. But now the Army says, hey, we're probably going to fight over in the Pacific. If if there's any threat on the horizon where we're going to fight, it's probably going to be in the Pacific. So the U.S. Army in the Pacific has created what they call a new Joint Pacific Multinational Readiness Center, which is a series of ranges and training the service is hosting in Hawaii and Alaska, as well as annually in rotating across, in rotating countries across the region. Their pro, the 25th Infantry Division, which is the division out there in Hawaii, they're trying to get them ready for island hopping, for fighting in those environments. So the Army finally, and this is pretty smart by the Army actually, said, hey, why don't we do special training for the Alaska guys and special training for the Pacific guys instead of bringing them all the way back with money and all that other stuff. Uh, the U.S. government has attempted over the years to shift its foreign policy focus from the Middle East to the Indo-Pacific as it becomes the center of gravity for the global economy. Increased geopolitical tensions have also have meant increased military interest in the region. So, much of that attention in that region has been uh, by the Navy uh, in the South China Sea. But there has also been competition and conflict on land as well. Between May 2020, and I, I never heard this, between May 2020 and January 2021, India and China, both nuclear powers, engaged in a series of violent border clashes in the Himalayas. 
that resulted in dozens of soldiers being killed. Beijing yeah. also has invested heavily in Southeast Asian nations, including Thailand and Indonesia, as part of its Belt and Road Initiative, a series of Chinese government-financed projects sometimes called the New Silk Road. Army leaders in Hawaii argue that that highlights the importance of armies in the region and maintaining relationships with Thailand, Indonesia, India, Australia, all those all those armies of that region, if it ever goes down. So that's smart. You know, we got to train where we're going to fight. And part of that training is uh, island hopping. So they'll train on the big island of Oahu, and sometimes they got to go to Kauai, and sometimes and the, and the logistics between that. So they're getting better at that by doing that training there, which is what it would be like, I, I suppose, if we had a a war with China or a war over in that area. So good yeah. on the army for doing that. I think that's smart, um, and I don't say that a lot. <laughs> planning for sure. I mean, it, with China building their base in the ocean. But- <laughs> What's the name of that island that they're? I on? don't know, Sand Island. Whatever they just filled up, right? and then they put it blows my on. mind. Yeah, that they just kept dumping like sandbags of sand until they, they're like, "Hey, no, we- they were." They actually <laughs> did a huge thing on how much um, they destroyed the environment in that area because they were dredging up, oh yeah, coral reefs and everything to make their islands. Poured all the shit, I bet. Yeah, that is nuts, man. That's I mean, that's that's crazy. Uh, Okay, next story. Um, This is from Stars and Stripes by Brian McElhenney. The headline is continue the healing. How thousands of volunteers put faces to names on the Vietnam Memorial. Uh, The wall. So the Vietnam Memorial, we're all familiar with it, with all the names. There was a project called the Wall of Faces Project, an initiative spearheaded by the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund to find at least one photo for each of the 58,281 service members who were killed or went missing during the Vietnam War. The names are listed on the Vietnam Veterans Memorial and its various replicas across the country, including the traveling wall that heals. Yeah. After more than two decades of detective work, the Wall of Faces project was completed in August, ahead of the memorial's 40th anniversary on November 13th. The names accompanying photos and biographical information as well as a place for people to leave remembrances can be found in a searchable online database at www.vvmf.org slash wall of faces. So if you just go search wall of faces, uh, you'll see picture for all everybody who died in Vietnam, which is pretty damn cool. That's the coolest thing we've talked about, man. That is badass. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it was like a community thing. So, like, one. Yeah, can you imagine the hours would, of research? Well, like, one family would say, Hey, it. I got a picture of my uncle. And then, you know, that other families would hear about it and they'd start submitting. So, um, over basically 12, 13 years, they were able to get pictures of everyone. That's amazing. Yeah. That is impressive. That's really cool. Have you ever uh have you ever been out to DC and actually seen the wall? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have too. Um, and it's impressive. The one that blows me away is the Korea. That's exactly that oh, one is crazy. And if when you, you go walk, you walk and it's foggy, 
Oh my God. And I didn't go when it was foggy, but if you walk, you know, but just walking with yeah. the guys in their patrol, that's, that was like, that's the best memorial I've ever seen. Have you great. seen that one, Eric? Yeah, I've seen it. Sounds great. Walking on I mean, patrol, man. To stand there, it's like you're standing next to the ghost of them. Yeah. You know, it's really, really cool. But have you been to that World War II one where they have all uh, the pillars? I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. With every state and like and the number of, the state. of yeah. people. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, one of, one of the cool things is is back by one of the maintenance stores. You kind of have to go down the stairs. Yeah. Carved into the marble is that Kilroy was here. Oh no way. <laughs> yeah, because he was one of the inspectors, right? He was a Navy inspector. And he would certify certain portions of the ship. And and that's how he signed that I had been here and I have inspected this area. And that was his unique signature. That's oh, where that well, then, came from? I had yeah, no that's idea. where it came from. And that, and then everybody, all the Navy guys, started using it as graffiti. Yeah. You know, and they're like, yeah. oh, Kilroy's here. Yep. Yeah, that was his, his I didn't know that. That's cool. Oh no way! I and had no and idea. the fact that they carved it into the marble, out down in the other area in the maintenance area, kind of or down the stairs towards the maintenance area is pretty cool. Wow! Look at that. That's pretty neat. That's pre- that's a good little behind the scenes thing. Hmm. I thought it was just like sl- slang, you know, like uh, you know, Peppy the Frog or something that just caught and just went. You know, I didn't know oh, it yeah. was a real yeah. thing. Kilroy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh moving on. From military.com. Uh Sylvester Stallone says first blood producers wanted to cut Rambo's iconic speech. So is that whole thing at the end, that whole speech at the end. Um it would be interesting to see how much dialogue he really did because he really said nothing the entire movie <laughs> until the very end, right? So what they said, he was given an interview. Uh, to the Hollywood Reporter, he was talking about First Blood in 1982. Uh, the producers thought they were making another action quickie that would play a few weeks, hopefully turn a profit, and then fade into obscurity like hundreds of other genre pictures. Instead, they got a performance of surprising gravity from Stallone, who yeah. turned John Rambo into one of the most iconic characters in movie history and went on to play the Vietnam veteran in a total of five movies over four decades. Uh, the highlight of First Blood is the monologue Rambo delivers near the end. After a nearly silent performance up to that point, Stallone <laughs> delivers an emotional speech about the guys who didn't make it home from Vietnam and how the veterans who did struggle with their memories of the fallen. Apparently, the money man, the money men behind the pictures wanted to get rid of that scene. Uh, Stallone said uh, that scene was a tough one to get past the producers. They didn't want it. I was supposed to be shot and die. And I go, there are a lot of veterans who are going to look at this and go, so my only hope is to kill myself? I can't do that. Bad juju. Yeah. So uh, Stallone said he did 20 interviews with veterans, and he compiled it into that moment, all stream of consciousness with everything just pouring out. Uh, I want people to take away some sense of hope when they leave the theater. I don't want my heroes to die. And if you ever go rewatch that, which I did, as it was a, it was a link in the article. So for those who are listening, go watch that final speech. It's pretty good. It's yeah, really, I thought really so pretty good. Yeah. 
even the one comment, it was, uh, let me see, nothing is over. You just don't turn it off. It wasn't yeah, war. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That was cool. Did, you know, and, and I don't, and I'm not saying this in a, in a joking way, but when you came, I mean, you were under fire from a sniper, right? Yeah. For four hours. Did, uh, how'd you decompress from that when you got back? Did you just kind of go, oh, okay, we're good formation tomorrow and uh, let's call it a day? You uh, know, that's a good question. I actually went, I went up on to, so I was part of the fire team. I was a fire team leader and I went up on uh, Point Salinas Airport. We had a, an M60 position and I sat in the fighting position with a buddy of mine and, and just. Afterwards, you mean? Yeah. When I was able to get away, because I was at the radio station. Yeah. Free, uh, free, uh, free Grenada, Grenada Free Radio. Or yeah, something. you were supposed to protect that radio station, right? Yeah. So I just got back and I sat in a fighting position with a buddy of mine and just uh, didn't say a whole lot. Just. Huh. Yeah. And that's, you know, that was uh, what? 80? 83. 83. Okay. So we, we still hadn't gotten good. At trying to decompress anybody. I don't know if we've gotten any better. You know what I mean? You um, know, it's funny that you say that. I I had, and I don't have PTSD. Don't I'm not going there. Um we had Cuban soldiers that were brought in from the field that were killed and laid on the tarmac for burial detail, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the traumatic injuries that I saw to these bodies were much worse than my fear of, you know, being sniped. Yeah. Uh, that's has stuck with me the longest. Um, not, not the sniper incident. Huh? Well, yeah, you, you, you're putting a normal person or semi-normal person yeah. into stuff that is just like, how, how do you prep? Yeah. You know, I've never, we've never been prepped. Correctly. No, not at all. Um, so and then I wonder if World War II was handled better in at least in Europe is because it took us so long to get back to the home home station. Yeah, they those guys so you, stayed so over there. So you had for those months. concentrated area in that time, right, right? With people who had been through the same exact thing, rather than now when you're like, all right. You're going home tomorrow, and you get on a plane and you go home tomorrow, and you're like, "Okay, act normal." Well, well sure. I mean, yeah. Vietnam. Okay. Vietnam was the worst of that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. forty-eight hours. You're sitting in your living room, uh, where you may have just been in the bush, <laughs> you know, shooting. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, "Thanks for your service, dude. You know, go enjoy your life." And yeah. Uh, you know, how do you not turn to? alcohol or drugs or something i mean the yeah. army wasn't putting counselors out there so I, I wonder if the army's new method is is well i mean not really relevant right now we don't have a ton of people coming back from crazy places but right they they were doing that mandatory okay you're back but you got to check in tomorrow morning and you got to be with us right and we're right. going to do stuff and decompress and just hang out together yeah, and then you can have a day off, and then you'll be back here again. You know, yeah, I, yeah. it's not you know, instantly think, like, okay, you have four months off. Know that he's not alone. Right. Anymore. 
Yeah. I I have a feeling the army's gotten a lot better post wise. Uh, and there's a lot more agencies, if not the army, there's a lot more agencies out there who will reach out um, and say, Hey, just talk to somebody, you know, you know, we've all yeah. seen it or whatever. I don't, I think the army does a, or the military does a piss poor job of managing any kind of expectations prior. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think they tell you oh, reactive reaction kind of thing. You're going to see dead bodies. You know, that they, they yeah. don't say yeah. any of that. Yeah. And that maybe helps. I don't know. But I don't think they do any of that to manage expectations before any kind of action going in, you know. All right. Let's finish up on a good note. What's the most outlandish or biggest memory of a reenlistment ceremony you've ever been to, Eric? Uh, that's a good question. Let me think about that. I would think it was at Navy Jest, the Jungle Environmental Survival Training. Oh, yeah. In the Philippines. The guy got re-enlisted right there? Yeah. Yeah. And he was a Marine. He was part of the class. And his commander surprised him and came in and did it when we were in the field. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. How about you, Jake? Uh, I saw one down on the top of Pike's Peak. Oh yeah, and, that's cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It's yeah. it cold. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, um, it was it was a captain who I'd um, hung out with, and we he's like, "Come up to my retirement or my reenlistment," and we went up there, and it was half of his squadron up there. And oh wow! Just kind of climbed a little bit over the edge. There's like an overlook there. Yeah. So that's a good one. Neat. Yeah, I remember in, when I was out at Schofield, they used to have it where you could go down and get reenlisted on the Pearl Harbor Memorial or the Arizona Memorial. That's cool. So they would yeah, take you that. out before they opened it up to the public and you'd be in with all the names of the sailors and you'd raise your right hand. That was pretty neat. Yeah, it's no share on the Missouri, but either way. <laughs> That's well, yeah, the Missouri wasn't there yet, but uh, <laughs> um this story out of uh, task and purpose is they salute the Marine who got promoted at a fried chicken restaurant on base. <laughs> so the Marine uh, non-commissioned officer got promoted at raising canes, a uh, fried chicken restaurant on base. Where was it? Where was the base at? Hold on. I mean, it's, I've never seen oh, raising canes on base. I know. Me neither. So it must, be, it must be a baby thing. Uh, is at Camp Pendleton, California. Oh, there you go. On November first, so he had his whole uh, platoon there. You know, they were all standing at attention while he's standing by the bar things or the little bar stool. So he got promoted at raising canes. But the interesting about thing about this article was that it went down and it was talking about other outlandish promotion or re reenlistment ceremonies uh that people have tried the propensity for theater has occasionally put service members in trouble in 2018 a master sergeant in the tennessee air national guard took her oath of re-enlistment with the tyrannosaurus rex hand puppet mouthing the words <laughs> come on man <laughs> you can't make this shit up can you i it mean said, that's 
that stunt apparently went against our entire foundation, according to Air National Guard's commander, and ended with the colonel who administered the oath being immediately retired with the rank of lieutenant colonel. The non-commissioned officer who took the oath being removed from her full-time position and the non-commissioned officer who filmed the whole thing being removed from his position as a first sergeant and receiving an official reprimand. (laughs) In a way that's kind of satisfying is like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's way too ridiculous to do something like that. Man, that's Um, crazy. There's another article that talks about some other real famous uh, reenlistment ones. And there's the picture of the guy <laughs> getting reenlisted in a stormtrooper outfit. No, that, that's not as stupid as the hand puppet. Yeah, good point. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, though, as we discussed earlier, Air Force or Space Force is always with the Empire. Yeah. yeah. What are we trying yeah. to say here, man? <laughs> because of you guys, we're never the good guys. We're the good always going to no, like the bad guys. Have no costumes, I suppose. Uh, there's a picture uh, in Afghanistan of the Army Special Forces re-enlisting. Uh, right behind the guy, he's got a 45 pointed at his head. Oh. There's a guy who got re-enlisted in a GameStop. That's dumb. That's dumb. Uh, there's a guy who got re-enlisted underwater in the scuba gear. I don't know how you do that. You can't say the oath, you know. So maybe that was pretty cool, though. If maybe it's, it's like just a dive a, game the, yeah, maybe field. it's just a picture. I suppose. Oh, he's got he's holding up the wait. He's holding up the clipboard and the he's got his right hand raised, and the the presiding official is holding up a clipboard for him to read off of her. <laughs> If he needs to check a box, yes or no, like I suppose a note passed in high stomp, school of old. Stomp your flipper once for a yes. <laughs> you saw it. Flipper equals consent. Uh this one says US Air Force Captain Joshua Tyler, uh re-enlist Staff Sergeant Andrew Petrulis, explosive ordnance division craftsman at Kandahar Airfield, Afghanistan, and they set off an explosion in the background. So that's pretty good for EOD. Mm. That one looks really good. Actually. It's perfectly acceptable. Um, and now you guys got to go watch a video. I sent you the link. Um, the guy who got re-enlisted in the gas chamber. <laughs> and yeah, the, the video shows him. Uh, everybody else is masked up. The official takes his off. He takes his off. And he's like, oh. I do solemnly swear. <laughs> kind of like VG you were talking about earlier. Yeah. So, you guys got any uh, original reenlistment stuff? Send us in the comments and let us know. Uh, we'll cover it next time if you guys uh, let us know because I know there's some creative ones out there. So, uh, okay. Any good final thoughts? <laughs> I think I'm good right now, man. Nope. I think I'm good. Yeah. On behalf of Master Sergeant Parat and Senior Master Sergeant Wall, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode. 
for more service headline news. Gentlemen, it's been a good week. I'll see you next week. Enjoy your Veterans Day, fellas. Yep, however you identify. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day to everyone. <laughs> 